Everybody, welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, two sports quote-unquote professionals, giving our best shot at the world of podcasting. But we like to have fun, keep things loose, a lot to get to today. First off, as always, shout out JD Masters and Buddha, Man of the Mirror, our intro-outro song. Go show them some love, YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream our podcast, like Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, you'll go find... Our boys, JD Masters and Buddha, friends of the program, friends of ours. My goodness, Evan, it's a gorgeous Friday. At least in the state of Florida, it is. I, I don't know what it's like over in Jacksonville, but it's a nice Friday morning here in Tallahassee. And the great thing about this time of year is playoff football, and we get it on both days of the weekend. It's not just a Sunday thing. And actually, now that I think about it, Ev, we get three straight days of NFL football starting tomorrow. Yeah, we get that ESPN uh, wildcard game on Monday. Uh-huh. Um which uh, yeah, you gotta love it. I uh, I'm I've already got plans tomorrow to go play golf at uh, 11:30, and then we should finish our round just in time to uh, go to the bar after and uh, watch the the Bengals beat up on the Raiders. Uh, that's that's what I'm expecting anyways. But we can get more into our predictions here in a second. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's gonna be an exciting weekend, and uh, it's always the best weekend in football if you ha- or best weekend in the NFL if you ask me is uh, is that is wild card weekend. Um, I I I can't you know everyone's playing for something. Everyone's at their strongest. And uh, winner go home type football, which you can't really uh, beat. I'm ready to focus on this and forget about you know Alabama football and <laughs> and 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 not think about the Jaguars head coaching search and just just be a neutral and enjoy uh, enjoy some quality uh, uh, play. I think the every team that's in the playoffs here, you know, there there is an aspect to each team where I'm like, yeah, that makes sense why they're in here, you know. And we could go back and maybe say that the Chargers are a team that you kind of thought would be in this this moment. But if you haven't listened about uh, that Chargers breakdown, we did all that in our Tuesday episode. But so be sure to go go back and listen to that too if you haven't already. But I do like this field and I do like the slate of games, Ev. And we're gonna get into the picks. And I guess we'll start right with Vegas at Cincinnati. First time the Bengals have an opportunity to win a a playoff game, and it's been a long time. It's been a very, very long time. They do it against a Raiders team that we've talked about all season long, has just defied every single odd, fought through every little bit of adversity to get themselves to this point. I'll kind of kick it off here because I think you you kind of said your your you know your kind of uh, prediction a little bit already, and I'm kind of on the same page as you, man. I I just don't. I love I love Derek Carr. I love the story. Uh, Rich Basicchia or Basaccia uh, is another pronunciation I heard. So I don't I don't know which one's the right one. Love the Raiders. Love their the this team and what they've been able to do. But I've got to take the Bengals here. I mean Joey touchdowns. Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon low-key had an incredible year that I felt like went really under the radar because of the the Jamar Chase to Joe Burrow connection. Nonetheless, though, the Bengals, they're the better team. They should go out and curb stop the Vegas Raiders. 
Yeah, I think the Raiders are definitely, you know, I can see them hanging around in this game. Um, the Bengals' defense is not especially great, which is why, you know, I would actually, you know, this this line right now, the total is sitting at 48.5 is what I'm seeing. Like, I, I personally would probably lean towards trying to hit that over um, mm-hmm. because I think, you know, they definitely can. I mean, I, you know – 41-31 is not out of the question in this game, straight up. Like, um, but the Bengals, you know, high-powered offense. You know, this it'll be a test. You know, this is this is a kind of a different situation than they've than you know any of those guys have ever been in in terms of the NFL. You know, I mean, Burrow hasn't. You know, I mean, obviously Burrow and Chase have won a national title. You know, they've played in big games. Just about everyone on that team has played in big games but you know this is a little bit different of a test so it'll be curious to see uh if they're you know for whatever reason a little uncomfortable a little shaken um but but i i I don't expect them to be they ought to be you know just excited to be at home and that crowd's going to be insane you know that for sure yeah and and, uh i mean they are it's it's interesting i mean they are five and four at home it's not like they've been lights out at home this season but but i still think they get the job done here yeah and i i i I go back to week 17 when they beat up on the the chiefs at home too i think of that similar crowd atmosphere i think of if that's the Bengals team you're gonna see that it's gonna be really hard for the raiders to keep pace and that's why i think towards the end i think i think the wheels will sadly come off the wagon a little bit for 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 Vegas here, I, I just I think the Bengals cannot last them offensively because it like you said I, I think I think if this game does go shot for shot if defense goes out the window and we're in a shootout the Bengals I think just have more sustainability to to be able to make things happen um, but you know we'll see and it's a it, it's an interesting matchup but I, I I'll, I'll take the Bengals here on this one as well um, moving on the next Saturday night game New England Patriots against the Buffalo Bills it's like a Rocky movie that never ends we're now on part three of this trilogy uh i gotta be honest with you the weather not looking not looking good for people who don't like the cold and mac jones not a cold weather football fan uh it's very simple to me as a bills fan make mac beat you that's what it has to be like just don't don't replicate what happened week 13 in buffalo don't let the patriots beat you by only passing the ball three times uh I think what are they saying? Four degrees normal. It's going to feel close to negative eight with a 13 to 13 mile an hour wind gust expected. I mean that's just Buffalo football. And if you had to give a choice here to me, Evan, if I'm trying to see this from an unbiased lens, but in this situation, and it's really nothing against Mac at this point, but he's just a rookie going through his first playoff game. I like Josh Allen is bar none the better quarterback to have in this kind of situation. So I, I'm going to take the Bills out, and that's a no-brainer decision for me, obviously. And I'm excited to see them get some redemption against the Patriots and, and really put them away in front of a full capacity home crowd, something that the Bills haven't had since the 90s. I'm ecstatic. You talk about atmospheres in that Bengals game. Highmark Stadium is going to be rocking Saturday night. I have a couple buddies who have already got tickets who are going to brave the elements. Yeah, I'm super pumped for them. So uh, shout out to my buddy Luke. You know, if you're listening, he does listen quite a bit to our podcast. I wish you very well and make sure you wear some gloves and a hat, my friend, because it's going to be chilly. But I'm excited, though. Uh, this is going to be a good game. Good game for sure. 
Yeah, that uh, that that will be awesome. Um, nothing like uh, NFL playoff football, and uh, yeah, in five degree weather, that's uh, that's that's what you expect out of Buffalo in January, I think. So, um, that's gonna deliver, and yeah, I think you're right about the uh, about Mac Jones. You know, that's that's definitely the case of gotta make him beat you. Um, I mean, he, uh, you know, it, it's weird to phrase it like this, but, I mean, he's arguably one of the worst quarterbacks in the playoffs. Like, he's obviously been very good as a rookie, and he's, you know, he, he's a big part of why the Patriots are 10-7. and 7. Um, But but at the same time, you know, it's it's not like he's, you know, uh, Tom Brady or something. Right. <laughs> it's, it's it's Mac Jones. And, and uh, who knows, maybe this is, you know, how the Mac Jones story takes its next step is is if he goes out there and beats in the bill beats the bills and if he does that you know and you play a, a smooth game you kind of just have to throw your hands up um, but but I think it's gonna be tough for him I, I'll be curious I know the the cold weather but I'll be curious to see what the wind and if there's any type of precipitation any snow or anything you know I mean I think that also is like just as important as cold you know it's right. one thing to be cold but having to brave the elements like that is is a different story so I think I think I'm also taking the bills here um I I uh I, I they're just better prepared for this at the moment I think and and uh, I think they have something to prove. Uh, I don't think y'all's revenge win was enough, and and you know they're they're ready for this. I'll be, you know, I think the Bills' number one thing that they can't let happen, which is what they let happen in that first game, is for Damian Harris and that Patriots rushing attack to get downhill. Like you said, make Mac Jones beat you. But if Damian Harris and that offensive line gets going early. I could see, you know, the Bills getting into kind of a scrappy, tight game late that they don't want to be in. Um, so, yeah, but but yeah, I'm I'm still sticking with the Bills here. Yeah, and I'm hoping history obviously doesn't repeat itself too. The other the, the thing for me that always and it really doesn't matter when you play them, but especially when you get the Patriots in the playoffs, so long as Bill Belichick is on that sideline, like that is an X factor within itself. That is something you always have to take into account. Now, Sean McDermott out coached him in, in, in New England uh, in, in week 7, 17, uh, no, week 16, excuse me. So, but, I mean, nonetheless, yeah, he out coached him there and it, and it was awesome and it was uh, a, a good stepping stone and a good way for Sean McDermott to solidify himself as you know a, a head coach that can beat the works of Bill Belichick. But nonetheless, so you have Bill Belichick in a playoff scenario. I mean, the guy's proven winner. You know, you talk about how Mac isn't that good quarterback in the playoff. Well, sometimes a little bit of that can definitely be offset by how good of a head coach he has back on the sideline with him. I mean, and you have Josh McDaniel still calling the offense. who has been with Bill for a long time doing this as well. I'll be curious to see just how much Bill can make an impact in this game, how much his coaching prowess can kind of offset some of the, the, the troubles that I see the Patriots running into. But I agree totally. Just can't let history repeat itself. Don't let Damian Harris get off the ball, be physical, and, and you know, just hope the home crowd carry him through because this is, quite frankly, the situation where I like the Bills to be in because out of this game, they're pretty much going to be an underdog no matter who and what the, who they play against. So, you know, if everything goes the way I think it should when they play the Chiefs in the next round, they're going to be the underdog, and that's where I like the Bills to be. I, 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 I like them in the underdog role. So we'll get through this game, and then, then we'll go from there. But Buffalo all the way, Ev. 
Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that concludes Saturday, uh, and then we roll into Sunday, where we get uh, you know a kind of a, a a NFC afternoon before we get back to the AFC in the evening with the the Eagles uh, traveling to Tampa to play the Buccaneers, and the Bucks are you know eight point five, sometimes nine point favorites depending on what book you're looking at. Um, it's going to be really tough for the Eagles. Uh, it's just it's it is what it is with the Bucks. But the thing we've seen from the Buccaneers this season and a little bit of last year, you know, it, 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 I, again, I want to preface this by saying I'm picking the Buccaneers because you just you can't not pick the Buccaneers. But mm-hmm. we've seen, you know, Tom Brady have some games where it's like he goes out there and he's just throwing like picks and it's not quite in sync. You know, you kind of had a messy end of the season that's like still, you know, I don't think any of the players are really thinking about Antonio Brown or any of that stuff, but it definitely, you know, is a weird dynamic to have as you build into the playoffs. I don't think that the Eagles are completely dead, completely, completely no chance in in this game, but, you know, they're going to need, they're going to need like a nightmare day. In t- you know, from Tampa in Tampa. Yeah, and not to mention, too, the Antonio Brown thing. While I don't think the distraction bugs him anymore, you don't have Chris Godwin anymore, so you do take one weapon away from Tom and his attack. But he has enough between, between I think, you know, Leonard Fournette in his backfield and, and, and Ronald Jones, and he still has Mike Evans and Gronk. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think you're, 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 lying to yourself or you're an Eagles fan if you're going to pick the Eagles to win over the Buccaneers here. But it's it very very easily the 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 turnover issues for Tom Brady and we've seen it happen this season. I think you're right. Could very much come into play and I think what was the stat I was looking at this morning? The the Buccaneers are 9 and 0 when they win the turnover battle. So if you can get Tom uncomfortable early or even not even turnovers, but you can just put some pressure on him, be physical, get him out of rhythm at least a little bit, then then you give yourself a chance. But it's kind of the argument that we use for the Bengals Raiders game, Evan is like I I don't I don't see the Eagles offensively as much as I think Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, I don't see them being able to go toe-for-toe if this goes into a shootout late. I mean, they're going to need a defensive, a miracle game on the defensive end. And if it if they can't have it and it's this goes shot-for-shot shot down the field, the Bucks are going to blow them out of the water. I mean, there's, just, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's way too right. good of an offense. Yeah, I think uh, if I'm an Eagles fan, the number one thing I want to see here is Jalen Hurts playing at a high level. Like, it doesn't matter if you win or lose this game, but... But if he can make a difference, if he can be impactful, then you're like, Jaylen you feel good. If Jalen goes out there and gives your team a chance, you know, he's picking up first downs via the run, he's making the throws he has to make, you know, if you see that, you you can say, okay, great, you know, well, we, we you know, we, we face a team that's probably going to the Super Bowl, and, uh, or, you know, one of the teams that you can expect to go to the Super Bowl, and we didn't embarrass ourselves, and Jalen looked good in that scenario. Um, I think that's what you want to see most, because the number one thing you don't want to start is, you know, Jalen has, I think, like, proven himself this season. You know, it, especially early on this year and late last year, people were like, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is a quarterback in the NFL. You know, uh, there were there were concerns. And then I would say over the past, you know, 10 to 15 weeks, he's really shifted that idea or at least to, okay, this guy can do it. 
and uh, you you don't want to have to revert back to do we have to figure out a whole new quarterback situation if we want to be competitive? Um, you, you'd rather not have to, you know, go go through that again. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he plays well, and hopefully we get a good game to open up Sunday. Yeah, and you're, I mean, the Eagles are also nine and eight too. So it's not like you're going in with any high expectations to begin exactly. with. So so take the victories where you can take them, Eagle fans. Uh, I've, let's get into this one because I know you probably have a lot with this Niners at the Cowboys at four thirty kickoff. I mean, the, as the week's gone on, because we talked about it very briefly Tuesday in our recording, in our show, and now as the week's gone on, I've seen, I mean, the, the Niners have, have, have shrunk the line a little bit. Dallas still favored, over under at 51 per what I'm seeing here on ESPN. But it, it, a lot of people are starting to maybe put some faith into the Niners and their opportunity yeah, to, that, that to win. Yeah, that line is moving hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think I think a lot of people are putting money on the Niners, which makes me concerned and makes me think that the Cowboys are going to win. Yeah, um, now, <laughs> how, uh, how it always goes, right? Right. So I think uh, a lot of this hinges on Dak Prescott, and I know that sounds obvious, but I really do think what kind what Dak do we get? Because when he recovered from his midseason injury, his like calf strain or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, he hasn't quite looked the same. I mean, granted, the past two weeks he has been like about as good as you could hope for. Past three weeks, really. But you know, he he struggled against the Giants. He struggled against uh, Washington Football Team. Even though the Cowboys still win those games, you know, bad teams. Um, but the past three weeks, he's kind of back on track. Let you know, it, it kind of depends on what Dak we're getting, and I I think Dak's comfortability is like the number one thing that the 49ers have to look at. As you know, you know, uh, there's kind of philosophy in football, right? Of like, you know, let's do our own thing or let's disrupt the other team. For the 49ers, at least when it comes to disruption, it has to be, you know, Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and Alden Key or Arden Key, those guys have to get home. Like the 49ers need to think like we gotta get four or five sacks to win this game. Like you gotta hit Dak, you gotta make him feel the pressure, you gotta force mistakes. Um their their run defense is very good. Like I don't I don't think that that you know they need to overdo like attention towards Zeke. I think more so it needs to be how like you know we we have to find a way to stop Dak and they have to do that through the pass rush because their secondary is just simply not that good. Um, Emmanuel Mosley is back for the 49ers and he's he's definitely like one of their best corners. But I wouldn't I, I mean I don't know if Emmanuel Mosley is better than any corner that the Cowboys are starting between Trayvon Diggs and uh, God I can't think of his name right now. Um, anyways. So I don't trust the 49ers secondary to to get the stops that they need. I do trust the 49ers pass rush to to get home. So if that and if that happens, I think uh, the Cowboys offense could be a little bit in trouble. But where the 49ers still struggle is just that if if it comes down to the end of the game and they need Jimmy G to make those throws, it's a it's a coin toss. Right. If, right. If he's actually going to deliver on that. So um, you know, the 49ers want, uh, you know, a tight game, you know, they, they want it to be, they want to run the ball. They want to, you know, win time of possession. They want to punch the Cowboys in the mouth on offense and defense. But 
if the Cowboys offense, you know, is as electric as it can be, they're going to need Jimmy G to, uh, to, to hit some throws, you know, down the stretch. And I don't know, I don't know if you can expect that to happen. Yeah, it's, it's it's a tough guy to bet against. My my key to this game was something that you hinted at was it, what it, can the Niners defense keep the Dak Prescott chain in check? I mean, are, are we going to get the Dak Prescott that can throw for five touchdowns, fifty plus points, over four hundred yards, or are we going to have to force them to to adapt? And and Kellen Moore's going to have to expand his playbook a little bit here. And in turn, to not put the game on Jimmy is going to be critical for the Niners. I think if you can get Elijah Mitchell going early and kind of showcase that run D, that run offense that helped you win big against the Rams in Week 18, then you're going to give your. I think you give yourself the best chance because I agree with you wholeheartedly that if this game comes down late and Jimmy G is the guy that has to win this, if I'm a Niners fan, I'm putting both of my hands over my eyeballs with like a you know when you like little bit of a space between your fingers so you could like barely see the television screen because I'm just I, now I'm just getting 2019 2020 Super Bowl flashbacks against the Chiefs you know and right. I'm like oh man I can't I can't bear to have that you know for Niner fans and the the heart racing and you know anxiety driven uh game that would be Jimmy G trying to win you something late so yeah we'll have It'll to be- let to see there It'll be interesting because the Cowboys defense is pretty good, but you know, and and you know, Trayvon Diggs has been one of the most notable things. He's been a huge point of debate because he leads the league in, in a, in, leads the league in interceptions, but at the same time, also leads the league in yards allowed, in like completion rate, like in like all the things you don't want to lead the league in. Like he's, you know, he gets a lot of huge plays, but he lets up a lot of yards and stuff. So. If Shanahan is able to get Debo Samuel kind of working on Trayvon, I mean, Trayvon could be in trouble unless Jimmy G screws up. You know, that's what's going to be interesting is how quickly do they get Debo Samuel going. I could see a scenario where Debo Samuel has 200, like, total yards in this game straight up. Like, they're going to go to him a lot, I think, on uh, on Sunday. Um, it's just going to be a matter of... Oh, does Jimmy G execute, and how do the Cowboys plan to deal with uh, deal with Debo? Um, I, I think they have guys that can probably stay with them, but Debo at his best is kind of untouchable. So, yep, uh, yeah, should be should be a good one. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I'm gonna pick them. I know that's you know I'm covering the 49ers, and and uh, and and I do think that the 49ers will make it a close game, but but I do think the Cowboys are the uh, ones advancing here. So I had a feeling of that that line was gonna get uh, you know from the last time we looked at. It, I knew the line was gonna get a little bit a little bit smaller because it's the Cowboys in the playoffs, and you're like, man, of course they're gonna blow it. It just seems like a spot where the Niners pull it off. So I I. I had San Francisco written down, and then I was like, nah. I crossed it off right before we started recording. I was like, nah, I got to be sensible here. I'm taking the Cowboys, too, because I think at the end of the day, I think this is a moment where Dak knows he's the better quarterback. He's the, They are the better team, and this is where – and they have their home crowd. They should go out and, and, and win this game. If they want to be taken seriously, and if they really, really you know, want to see themselves take that next step as a franchise, if Dak wants to take that next step – prove why he's worth all that big money he goes out and gets the job done here so i will take dallas as well all right well uh this next game is probably the game we we can talk the least about um you know steelers chiefs uh 
you know, of course, it's, you know, every game in the playoffs for the Steelers is, you know, Big Ben's last game ever, right? Yep. Um, I I don't think we're going to see any more of Big Ben after uh, Sunday. Nope. <laughs> I think, nope. I, I don't either. I think the Chiefs are going to, uh, you know, put it put it on that ass and uh, – and, you know, maybe the Steelers are able to, you know, they could force a couple turnovers, you know. I mean, Mahomes has had the interception bug this year. And, you know, they, I could see that defense making a few plays. Let's say J.J. Watt gets home. You're, I mean, uh, T.J. Watt gets home and force fumble and the Steelers get a short field and, you know, Najee Harris gets going. There's It's it's not completely out of the realm of possibility because the Chiefs have shown that they have some weaknesses. But. I just think that, you know, Patrick Mahomes at home in January, I'm not betting against that. No, I'm, I'm not either. And, and, you know, it's funny because I think about it and I'm like, I think everybody, myself included, was kind of happy about the Big Ben story, like him getting his last shot. You know, the tie, you know, Daniel Carlson kicks a field goal against the Chargers, prevents the tie to the Raiders and, and the Steelers get in and stuff. And that's all fine and dandy. But now... And now we're kind of like it, it, it was a short-term reward for a long-term head scratcher in my opinion because if it had gone to a tie right you're getting chargers bills and you're getting chiefs raiders that would have been a much much better game and you know and as much as i'm happy to see big ben get his get another shot in the playoffs i I, the, the 12 and a half line i think makes sense for kansas city and i would i'm still I, I would take the chiefs to cover Honestly, I, I, do, I just don't think this is close at all. At home, yeah. Pat, Pat Mahomes will carve up the defense in a way that he'll find a way to do, and, and the, the Steelers just won't. Ben's not, Ben's not it. You can't. The game does not rest on Ben. It, it, like you said, you bring up Najee, you bring up TJ on the defensive side, Minka Fitzpatrick, maybe he can get a, some big plays on Patrick Mahomes. But the fact that Big Ben is not the difference maker for the Steelers in this game, it's it's not a good sign to begin with. So it was fun while it lasted. It's a it's a nice story, but the Steelers get walloped here, and I will take the Chiefs as well. Yep. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, Monday night Cardinals Rams NFC West matchup. Cardinals had their opportunity to win the NFC West title and host this game uh, on uh, last Sunday, but uh, failed to beat the Seahawks as the Rams failed to beat the uh, 49ers, and now. Um, they uh they get to play at SoFi, which you know I mean, as the 49ers fans kind of proved last weekend, I don't know if that really is much of a home game. Um, yeah. for for LA, I mean it stinks, but no one in LA cares about football. So and um, and, and, and it's it's not like well, where's Arizona and Scottsdale technically? I mean the it's in uh I believe technically Glendale. Glen Glendale, yeah. Excuse me. So I mean, but that that general, it's not like it's an awful terrible long drive. I mean the Cardinal faithful who really want, I mean they'll make that drive. Well, they'll I be mean there. Matt Stafford's wife literally went on a podcast like yesterday to say like Cardinals fan or Rams fans do not sell your tickets to Cardinals fans like type shit you know um, so uh yeah there you are but i think uh i i i think this is probably you know the the game that feels like it's really evenly matched but i truly do think the rams are going to put it on the cardinals in this one um i uh i expect stafford to be at his best I think uh, with with Sony Michelle now back at full strength, they've got both sides of that offense, and I think that defense is going to be kind of looking for something to prove against Kyler Murray. And uh, after after last week of kind of blowing um, a uh, 
uh, uh, you know, 17-point lead against the against the uh, 49ers. I think the the key for the the Cardinals to to make it a game, of course, is is, is obviously Kyler Murray, but. Really, where the Rams are at their softest is when you run the ball on them. And the, you know, I, I think the Cardinals could do that, but they need to get James Conner going early and often uh, for that to, to for that to happen. If if they can get a fully healthy James Conner too, because uh, uh, right. he's, he's been obviously battling right? some injuries, I believe so. Yeah. See, and and, and I felt like. This is what I, I mean, I'm happy that we get, you know, a full three days of football, but my picks really, really were feeling chalky, you know, uh, and, but up until this game, and this is where we get our first disagreement, I'm going to take Arizona here because I, I believe Matt Stafford in the playoffs, I, I think that the Cardinals defense can do enough to force some mistakes. And I, I think there, there's just this, this feeling of watching like 2011, 2010 Detroit Lion football where I'm just like, man, why does history feel like it's going to repeat itself with Matt Stafford? And he just he cannot get it done. Kyler Murray looking for that first playoff win. I think he comes in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder as he looks for that first playoff win. And I think the Cardinals really, really have a lot to prove here. Because I, I, I think if the Cardinals lose this game, the Cardinals could start 10-0 and next year and people won't take them serious anymore because we can't keep doing the same fucking storyline with the Cardinals year in and year out where they beat up on a soft schedule to begin the season and then they lose six of their last seven and then get bounced in the first round of the playoffs by you know an in-division rival or what have you. But I, I, I think that the Cardinals know there's something to prove here and I think it's, this is probably the best game if not the solidity the most best the best game we're going to get all weekend I'll take the Cardinals here in this spot just solely because I think Matt Stafford makes enough mistakes and the Cardinals capitalize it capitalize on it just enough that Kyler gets the job done right um I will say that uh Connor did not practice yesterday um it sounds like the it, that which is a bad sign of course mm-hmm. but at the same time it sounds like they're they're kind of taking the approach of we're not going to put him out there like very much this week you know just let him fully rest yeah and, and you, you still have chase edmonds on the side you know it's not like it's not yeah, like you're totally I mean, you're totally yeah. out of like not you don't have anybody to run the ball you know you still have chase edmonds there yeah, for sure. So I, uh, I, I, I am sticking with my Rams or my Rams. Uh, I'm, I am sticking with the Rams on this one. I think uh, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I just feel like that the Rams are uh, a bit, you know, a bit more ready for this game than uh, than the Cardinals are based on you know injuries and like I like you said. I mean, this game is very important for like you know what do you do going forward? Is Cliff Kingsbury the guy? Because you know if you don't feel 100% certain that he is. And you lose this game. I mean, this this would be a time where if you were going to jump ship on Cliff, mm-hmm. you know, this is the time you would do it. So, yeah. well, because um, like, because it, it, it really does feel like if, if if you're kind of if what you're saying comes into fruition and that's the result of this game, then yeah, I like the 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 Cardinals and Kingsbury they lose credibility. I mean, you can like I said, you can sit there and start eight and one, nine and one. You know, seven and zero, whatever it may be, to start off a season. But if you can't get into the playoffs and get it done, then that that's that's a whole different story. I mean, I remember last year when when Kyler hooked up with DeAndre Hopkins for the the miracle hail mary to beat the Bills. You know, and then the the Cardinals don't even make the playoffs out of that. And it's just it, it's it, it's progressing from one storyline to the next of just inconsistency down the stretch that the Cardinals can't get the job done. And I I I actually think that's a really good thing to bring up. Is yeah, you might have to look. If 
if you're the uh, the Cardinals front office, you might have to have a nice hard look at the mirror. And by the mirror, I mean the plexiglass through the office that is Kling, Kiff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury and be like, this motherfucker just might not be it. It might not be the answer. And I... Whew, Imagine Cliff Kingsbury hitting the job market again. Lord only knows. But, yeah, I, I I think the Cardinals have to get this. This almost feels like a must-win, must-win, a double must-win situation for the, the Cardinals organization as a whole. So we'll see if they can get it done. Uh, nonetheless, I'm excited for that Monday night game. Also, uh, shout-out to other local ABC affiliates like myself. And I don't, hopefully to God I don't have to anchor Monday night because – we are all going on TV late. I'm talking probably 11:30 at the earliest. So, uh, shout shout out to shout out to uh, everybody holding it down for an ABC affiliate because Monday night's gonna be brutal. So, Pete, hold it down. That's how it do. It's how it do. Ev, uh, we need to go make some dinero. Uh, my payday just came in today, and it wasn't as big as I wanted it to be. So, I need to go grab some money. So, how about we go to the cash grab, and then when we come back. Let's switch it over to the hardwood and talk a little basketball. See, that's like a play into me, Domathan. All right, I like it. Uh, folks, we'll be right back. We're going to the cash grab. But like I said, when we come back, we've got a full slate of NBA conversations to come up. So stick with us. Down and Out returns right after this. Hey guys, Dom here. I want to tell y'all about Anchor.fm. Yes, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free and there's tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Don't know how to get your final product on all the major streaming platforms? Have no fear. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and tell them Down and Out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Second half of Down and Out underway, and we begin with the NBA. Folks, the NBA All-Star voting has entered the second round and is nearing towards already the end of the second round as they get ready to close out for the February All-Star Game festivities. But we thought here at Down and Out, me and Ever are going to go through and kind of talk about just the, the playmakers and the All-Star voting and who we think deserves to have an opportunity to play on are all-star teams because in yeah. case you guys didn't know what me and Evan say is way more important and way has way more validity than what the actual NBA all-star voting is so uh, eventually they will listen to us and me and Evan will have full control over every pro organization and every major sporting leagues all-star festivities but until then we're going to give you the loyal listeners of our show the first dibs to say you've been here since the ground zero days um Ev, I guess we'll start with. Uh, do you want to go? You want to go pick for pick? So the way we're doing this too is I'm going to take the Western Conference All Stars. Ev is going to take his Eastern Conference. We're going to go through, pick our starting lineup, the couple reserve players on the bench as well. Ev, do you want to go pick for pick on this, or do you want to just go one time, one team at a time? 
we can go pick for pick. We can okay. go position by position. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, good. Uh, I'm good with position since we're not really competing against each other, obviously, here. So, Ab, I will let you start off. Let's start right with the top. Let's start with the numero uno position on a basketball court. That's a point guard. Who is the yeah. point guard? Your point guard from the Eastern Conference that would make your all-star starting lineup. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, in the NBA nowadays, I feel like a lot of nobody ever plays just one position anymore, or at least not 100%. So at the one, I've got Trey Young. You know, he can play one or two. He does mm-hmm. both. But but uh, Trey Young, you know, I mean, he's averaging 27.7. He's uh, he's played 36 games, which is actually on the high end of amount of games played for, you know, pretty much everyone in the NBA, um, despite there being like 44 games played by some teams. And, uh, you know, of course, course the dude's got nine you know the the crazy amount of assists 9.4 game right now the highest in the eastern conference um and just doing what he does as awful as the fucking uh hawks are uh he's still you know he's still doing his thing um his his three-point shooting percentage could probably be a little higher that's like an area of his game that's been a little rough this year but it's still trey young man it's is is basically why i'm going with him there and and uh yeah so trey uh trey taking the team up the court for me okay all right well so on the vice versa there my the number one pick is very obvious in the western conference it's steph curry Bar none. Yeah. Uh, it's obvious he currently has a about a a eighty eighty thousand something uh, vote lead over LeBron for the Western Conference captain spot, which they give to the person with the highest point total. Uh, Steph, I mean the the three pointing the three point percentage alone is unreal for Steph as it always seems to be this year. But the guy's playing on a different level. Golden State thirty and eleven, second in the Pacific, and I believe second in the Western Conference. Conference, only behind their division rival, the Phoenix Suns, averaging 26.4 points per game. Uh, his, his win above replacement, uh, I, I, which is a baseball stat nonetheless, but somebody calculated his like what his lifetime war or win above replacement yeah, thing is, and it was on un- unreal. It was like. It was in the double digits somewhere. I think it was at close to 11 or 12, which is ungodly. Because even in the baseball world, not even Mike Trout has that in himself. Uh, 38% from the three points, which actually is a little lower lower than I thought it was. I thought he was in the 40s. But obviously, he's also been checking up a lot of threes. He has the all-time active leader, which he's already accomplished a Hall of Fame caliber season just in doing that. 91% from the charity stripe. Like, my goodness gracious, Steph, you... You dog, sir. So, yeah, Steph Curry is my number one starting point guard for the Western Conference. Sweet. Uh, In my two spot, um, I am going with... Kevin Durant. So who I know I know Kevin plays three and four and two. You know he's all over the place, but but I can't not have Kevin Durant in the mix. And because I mean he's arguably been the best player in the NBA this year. I mean averaging the most points in the NBA. Uh, you know got six assists a game, seven point five rebounds a game. I mean just you know a monster. Just you know, I, I, it it it's it's him and LeBron, right? I mean, they just don't age, and uh, and you know, KD has been the focal point of that Brooklyn team as uh, they now get Kyrie back and kind of look like they're getting the full strength. Kevin was was down the whole down the fort while uh, while they got it together and uh, has been killing it. 
Um, so I got KD at the two spot. I know that's kind of a maybe maybe roll your eyes, but when you hear my three spot, you'll see that I'm basically going with like two interchangeable twos, twos and threes. Um, but uh, but yeah, gotta gotta have KD in there. Yeah, we're also general managers, so like how we want to organize our team is our business, yeah, and exactly. you know respect our decision uh, because this is what we get paid the big bucks to do. Uh, my my number two is kind of in that same boat because he's not really a two for the team he plays for, but I can't put him in that one spot over Steph right now. But that's John Morant. And that's clear as yeah, day. Yeah, I was going to say, Ja better be on your team. Yes, yeah. Ja is 100% on my team. Dude is having just a, an, an un, unreal season. And I'm trying to actually pull up his stats here. Why did it bring me to Minnesota? I don't know why I clicked Minnesota. Why is it? There's Memphis. Thank you. Because I'm like, I'm looking at the sheet like Carl Anthony Towns. What? I was like, he's not there. But yeah, I mean, Ja Morant literally, like, I, 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 I got to watch some of the Lakers two, two games ago. The Lakers lost to Ja Morant and the Grizzlies, like, bad. It was really bad. Like, Ja just absolutely, like, pulled his pants down, shit on LeBron's chest, and Odell Beckham watched it from afar and liked it. Like, it was it was really, really bad. 24.6 points per game, uh, six assists, too. So he's facilitating an offense that is putting up and averaging, I think, close to 110, 100, 112.3 points per game from this team. So, yeah, the the Grizzlies are actually, and they're first in the Southwest, which is, you know, a conference that's not easy to win. And he's getting the job done, kind of leading the way for the Grizzlies. And they're kind of this dark horse team. And we talked about it a couple episodes ago that they are kind of like this team that we think is a dark horse, could be surprising a lot of people come playoff time. And that's because of job. And he's having an unreal season. So clear choice there. He's going to be my number two. Got you, got you. Um, well, uh, in my three spot, like I said, I kind of uh, teased it. I am going with DeMar DeRozan, who is mm. having a uh, mm-hmm, career mm-hmm. renaissance uh, in Chicago. It's it's kind of been insane. Uh, I mean, he, he he was never really like bad with the Spurs or or anything like that. But uh, it's it's kind of like we're seeing what we thought he could be like in those early years uh, when he was first starting to show like how good he was. And I mean, just, just been lights out. Uh, it's, it, it's kind of, it's, they, they, it, it, it's, it's almost like hard because uh, I, I'll go ahead and spoil one of my honorable mentions is Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not making my five. It's almost like you could go with DeRozan or Levine in this spot. Um, it's if KD didn't exist, I would bet Levine is probably in that mix. Um, but but yeah, Demar has just been Demar has been the focal point of that team, and has uh, you know led the Bulls to being you know two games up in the Eastern Conference lead. I mean they are. Uh, they are they are a special squad and and a lot of that is uh, due to the way that Demar kind of just even if he's not on the ball he's you, you know you it's no longer a guy that is you know you can just deal with covering him as you covering him as you cover him you really have to be thinking about Demar for all forty eight minutes of the game whether he's on the ball he's off the ball wherever he's at you got to know because uh, otherwise he'll punish you um, like he's done all season. And, uh, yeah, so I got DeMar at my three spot. 
All right, my number three, a little interchangeable because sometimes he, you know, he plays higher, he can play lower, but that's the leader of the Dallas Maverick offense. That's Luka Doncic, uh, 24.7 points per game, which actually, as I'm looking at the stats too, ironically enough, Christophe Porzingis, which is not anywhere close to my list nor my honorable mentions, but even he's actually averaging 20 plus points a game too. I actually why the Mavericks are three games above 500 and sitting fifth overall in the West and actually looking really well right now. Uh, but he, but Luca's been able to put, get a little bit of the pressure taken off him because Jalen Brunson has done a really good job running the point guard position for the Mavericks this year. I think he's done a really good job at, at helping facilitate and get Luca better looks where Luca doesn't feel like he has to do everything by himself. But he, he you know, and Luca's still getting eight, eight, almost nine assists per game right now, averaging close to uh, a little over eight rebounds a game as well. And Luca is just also just fun basketball too. Like I'm a Luca stan. I think we both have talked about this. I believe you're also on the same track that we're big Luca fans. And if you're gonna talk about an All Star game with entertainment, look, because let's be honest too, the All Star game has no defense whatsoever. So just give me guys who are fucking electrifying, running up and down the court that you're just gonna huck up threes and throw mad lobs to each other. Luca can get up off a nice fat lob from John Moran or Steph and just absolutely throw the fucking thunder down. And I want that all up injected in my veins. So I'm going to take Luca for for my number three, which pretty much, I guess, wraps up our guards side of this. So now we need to go to our big men, our front court, Ev. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I uh, I'm going very big. On uh on my front court, Shaquille uh, O'Neal. Yeah, uh, Shaq is back. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I got Giannis at four. I got Giannis yeah. at the four spot. Yeah, clear as day. Uh, yeah, I mean he's uh, it almost feels like the Bucks have been quiet this season. Like they're not getting as much attention or or buzz. I think that's because they're in Milwaukee. Um, but uh, but I mean Giannis is still the same dude, you know. I mean twenty eight point five points, twenty eight point five points per game, eleven point five rebounds per game. Uh, only Nikola Jokic in the NBA has more rebounds uh, per game than Giannis. Um, yeah, I mean he's just he's still doing his damn thing. Uh, still the focal point of that team, and and uh, you know I mean it's it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah, and, and speaking of no-brainers, Zev, let's just go right to the four because it's kind of primarily where he's positioned with the with the Lakers, but we know he does a whole bunch of stuff. That's LeBron James. Uh, I know people are probably like, where the hell is Dom going to get to LeBron? Like, believe, I, Don't worry, folks. I was going to get to LeBron. 29.1 points per game, just, just off the mark from the Kevin Durant's uh, league lead. So, I mean, a couple more good performances from LeBron, and he could very well take the lead average in points right back from KD. The Lakers have been struggling as of late, back to 500, seventh overall in the West, but LeBron has been the one remaining variable constant that he is somehow just an ageless wonder and is still able to put up the quality moments and quality minutes and, and really has the ability to put a team on his back uh 30 games played and 30 games started he's it's yep quite i think that's a pretty fucking good number for a guy who's in his late you know mid late 30s and still putting up the numbers he is so well i'm not i don't even really need to get much into the analytics side of why lebron's in there it's he's fucking lebron he's gonna be on the all-star roster so there you go he's my number four Got you. In uh, at number five for me, uh, you know, like I said, I'm going big, and he's playing as good as he was last year. Which I mean, he was debatably he was MVP material last year, and he's making a case again this year, and that's Joel Embiid. 
uh, from the Sixers. Uh, yeah, he's 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 got he's he's at center for me, and he. Uh, it's, I mean, it's crazy, man. He's just, he's just a brick shit house of a human being, and um, and just doesn't take L's uh, underneath the basket like ever. Nope. Um, so yeah, I got, I got Embiid, um, Embiid and Giannis, man, side by side, protecting the rim. I don't know how you're gonna score. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, you, 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 you sit there and you just have to pass the ball to the, the Steph Curry on the perimeter. Yeah, you got to do the kick out. Got to do the kick out every time. Uh, which actually be curious too, because he's not on my list. I wonder if they'll, because Clay Thompson has been receiving votes, and I'm like, would they really put Clay in the All Star game like that? That'd be kind of that'd be kind of wild to see. I'm gonna keep track of that one because obviously that becomes a different element to that All Star game too. Uh, all right, so my big man, my number five, uh, that is the uh, Denver Nuggets solidifier, the man underneath the basket for them. That is Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic. Uh, yeah, he. For for reasons that are pretty obvious, uh, he, uh, slight anger management issue with with Mr. Jokic, a uh, little bit of an anger management issue, but that's okay though. Nuggets are the six seed, twenty one and nineteen overall, and obviously Nikola Jokic is a guy who commands twenty five point five points per game, averages close to thirty three minutes a pop in this one too. Uh, I'm looking at the team leaders in in um, let, let's let's do a, a quick side game here, Eb. I want you to guess who leads the Denver Nuggets in points, which I just said is with 25. So just play along with me. Who's the team leader in points? Uh, Nikola Jokic. It, correct. Who who leads rebounds? Uh, Nikola Jokic. Assist. Nikola Jokic. Steals. Damn, Nikola Jokic. It blocks. Nikola Jokic. Boom. He leads. I mean, he's an all-star because he is a Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I, there, there is, <laughs> there, there is no Denver Nuggets making the playoffs without Nikola Jokic. So he is, he is undeniably an all-star in anybody's book. But he's gonna run my five, and my team is looking pretty good. I like your team too. I do, I do like the West as well. But I'll tell you what, Ev, as we get into these honorable mentions, my guard play is unreal, which I, I will get to. But go ahead and l- let's talk about your honorable mentions slash your bench players. Uh, so Zach Levine, I mentioned that. Yep. I mean, he's got to be involved in somewhere or another. He's been fantastic this and, year. And I, and I wanted to uh, say too, I didn't want to spoil it. I wanted to wait till we talked about. It. I like he's had he's so much fun to watch play basketball, yeah. and it, it, it's like it's good for Demar that he's having the kind of season. But I really sometimes wish that that Zach Levine was able to get more of an opportunity to shine because he he's playing one good basketball, but two he does it in a way that's really really fun to watch. I think it's interesting, too, though. I don't want to get too deep into it, but I do think it's interesting, too, because Levine has kind of been the solo guy in Chicago the previous two seasons, right? And, you know, was still very good, but just wasn't able to do, yeah, wasn't able to lead like kind of what you're alluding Mm -hmm, to. mm -hmm. I think having DeMar, having somebody take a little bit of that weight off is exactly what he needed. Okay. And and he's had better stats this year because of it. Um, But anyways, so Zach Levine... Um, he's kind of like a, uh, you know, a guard to forward option. I mean, you got to have Cat in there. You know, Cat yep. is taking time for for Embiid or uh, uh, or Giannis in my scenario that I'm imagining. Uh, and then, you know, gotta gotta show love to the vet. 
got to show love to a guy who deserves, you know, he's had a fantastic NBA career and will never, ever be, you know, one of those huge names. But, you know, the, the streets will always remember his name and our generation will. That's Bradley <laughs> Beal. Um, Bradley oh, Beal okay. A, a bit of a renaissance this year and, and uh, kind of like the Rosen and has been, I mean, that was the reason why the Wizards were competitive, you know, in the first half of the season. We'll see if they continue to kind of free fall like they have been. But Bradley Beal has been cooking, um, is, uh, is, is uh, you know, just all around been, uh, you know, the, the, the guy that, you know, you want, you always want him to be on that team. So, uh, yeah, those are kind of my three. I mean, James Harden is like a guy that, yeah, of course, that you want in the mix. But truly, I mean, Bradley Beal's got him beat statistically right now. So, um. Yeah, those are kind of my main three. Which which sucks for Bradley Beal because in the second fan return voting, Beal's not even on the list oh, of top yeah. ten. Uh, yeah, not not. I mean, no way. No our, way. Our 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 twenty eighteen uh, hero behind Kawhi Leonard, Fred Van Fleet, has more votes than Homeboy. So that that should tell you enough right there. My my bench players are all guard heavy, and that starts right in Phoenix. That's both Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Devin, for obvious reasons, because he he's an electrifying playmaker who obviously is why the reason why the the Suns have only lost nine games and currently sit atop the the NBA and the Western Conference. Devin Booker, for the same reasons that you mentioned, Bradley Beal, he's a veteran. He is one of the league leaders in assists. I actually think he might lead the the league in category in assists as well. But I always feel like Chris Paul should just, till the day he retires, should just be in an all-star game. Off the bench, sure, but get him in the all-star game. Get him involved somehow. Uh, and then my last one is Damian Lillard because who doesn't want to see fucking Showtime Dame in an all-star game? Yeah, so, I was going to say, I feel like Dame's got to be up there. And honestly, to go against your lineup full of really good-ass big men, I, I need three-point shooters in the West if I'm going to beat the East in the All-Star game. I just need guys who who can just sit around and just hit jump shots and don't have to run into the wall. You know, that is Giannis and Joel Embiid blocking the rim. So give, give, give me the guards, give me the shooters, and, and we're going to put up 150 points on you guys. Yeah. I, uh, you know, there there's probably some people that might, you know, complain of – you know, where are maybe guys like LaMelo or maybe Miles Bridges? I'm thinking about Charlotte, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think both of them are, like, deserving as bench guys, but I would have such a hard time putting them uh, into into the first team. I mean, especially over the likes of, you know, Trey Young or, or uh, DeMar, you know, what have you. So Yeah, LaMelo's uh, coming in fifth right now in the Eastern Conference in guard voting. So like, I can imagine. You know, he. I mean, it very, it very much could too, but he's also, I mean, like, so LaMelo has a little under 700,000 votes. Harden, who's at fourth, Ev, has almost 1.5 million. So it's a, it's a significant drop-off. But And we preference this too. We understand full well, and and it's the problem with sometimes you get it's it's a it's the blessing and the curse you get with all star voting in NBA because it's all fan base, which is cool that they get the fan involved. But it's a popularity contest too because I'm looking at the Western Conference and I mentioned it. I love Carmelo Anthony. You know he's a Syracuse guy now a Laker, and I love Melo to death. And I would obviously would love to see him in an All Star game. But does he really deserve it over some other people? No, not really. It's not like he's having an outstanding season. It's a it's a popularity contest too at the end of the day, which you know, like I said, it's the blessing and the curse behind behind the the way that the NBA does this. But you know, it is what it is. Nonetheless, it's always going to be fun. 
I like when All Star, and we'll get clo- we'll talk about it more when we get closer. I love All Star Weekend because I like the dunk contest is really cool. But when you get Clay and Steph going against each other in a three point shootout, when they actually have to compete against each other for once, that's pretty fucking awesome. That's really fucking fun to watch. Just watch dudes oh, yeah. make thirty plus three pointers in the span of a minute, like. That's a clinic. That's a free clinic that we're all just jaws dropped to the floor for. So I'm all about it. Ev, how about we keep the NBA conversation going and wrap up this show with a little uh, l- l- little segment that we call Pick 'em Our Best. I don't. I really don't know the name of the the segment that we call this, but we had the idea uh, that we. Uh, this segment is called Jersey Boys. Ooh, because I'm a little Jersey boy. Okay, I like it. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to take our top three favorite NBA jerseys. And it doesn't have to be current jerseys. We have throwbacks. We have different alterations, customized, different things in there as well. Um, So don't, don't think that it has to be just the plain who has the best jersey normally. You know, these are from any generation of the NBA and any different variation of these, these teams, respective jerseys, color schemes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'll kick this one off, Ev, because you started last time. So I will go ahead and start it with the, speaking of Carmelo Anthony, the Carmelo Anthony freshly drafted era with Chauncey Billups, Denver Nugget. They're called the Blue Dazzle Denver Nugget jerseys. Those are fantastic. That's a fantastic choice. I'll yeah. definitely credit you on that. That was um, one of the I few NBA jer- Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I owned and had like a – I had the LeBron rookie jersey and the Mello rookie jersey as a kid. Dude, I wore had the, I had the jersey, the, the baby blue, the Blue Dazzle with the Mello shoes. I wore it for two weeks straight and never got out of them. I do not blame you. Um, uh, for my first uh, pick, I'm going with a similar era, uh, those uh, 2000s T-Wolves jerseys. Uh, Ooh, like kinda, like uh, with like the the little like the white stripes down at the Kevin Garnett uh, yeah, kind of like era, kind of kind of pinstripey. They've got the 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 really sharp looking letters that they've kind of brought back for those pink jerseys that they wear now. Uh, that are you know like yep. it's yeah you know, I'm it's looking at it edgy. right now. It's kind of edgy, you know. I just loved those jerseys, those black ones especially. Um, those were, those were always so clean. Um, I was, I was not like a KG fan or anything, but I mean KG from that period is just you know iconic. Um, and uh, and yeah, I uh, I always get uh, whenever I see those jerseys, it just takes me back to being like ten years old again. Yeah, that's a fantastic pick too. There's a, and there's there's a lot that I could have went to, and there's a lot I left off the list. Uh, but towards more towards the modern era, and I think of like Dwayne Wade's you know final season or two. Uh, well, and that's the the Miami Heat the Vice collection, you know, with the the baby blue trim with the pink and the 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 Miami Vice color scheme lettering. Uh, I, I listen as a former Heat fan. I wish maybe I had gotten to have this these kind of jerseys when I was there because I certainly would have bought it. And if I wasn't trying to not be such a bandwagon, I'd probably buy one of these jerseys. Maybe I still will. I don't know. But the Miami Heat Vice collection is fucking sharp, and they still rock it to this day. It is mwah. Beautiful. I I prefer the 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 all black version. They'll do it sometimes with the white. Give me the all black with the with the 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 Miami color scheme there with the 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 light blue and the pink. It's beautiful, beautiful stuff. 
Right, right. No, that's a uh, that's very good, uh, very good pick as well. I uh, it's so hard not to. It was so I, I I almost had to like stop myself from picking three '90s jerseys because NBA in the '90s. I mean, '80s and '90s jerseys are just so so clean. They're so clean that a lot of the current jerseys we're seeing are basically just those jerseys again. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so at number two, I'm going with the uh, Utah Jazz. Mm. Purple mm. Mountains, John Stockton. Yeah, I had Lund. that. I had that on my honorable mention list. Actually, that was good. Those are those are just forever fresh. I love, as you'll see with my first pick too. I love the graphic jerseys that they had. Like I love the 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 jerseys of that time that had like an image. You know, like the mountains or whatever, and then the rest of the jersey would be a solid color or the pattern. But then on the on the torso, you would get the mountains or whatever it was. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's my uh, my number two. I love that purple. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now on this list. That is that is fresh. Uh, there are a bunch of really good ones, but I got to kick it to a, a team av that sadly doesn't even exist anymore. I'm going with the 1980s, the green and white Seattle Supersonic jerseys. Yeah, those are great. Uh, I mean, because you think about when the Sonics were relevant and actually, you know, were going against Michael Jordan in the late late 80s, early 90s, and actually even before MJ started winning championships, when they, you know, when Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, everybody else was running the show there in Seattle. Fresh, it, it, it the, I think their jerseys. When you look at that venue that they played in in Seattle and that fan base, everything just matched with like it, the, the jerseys felt right for that atmosphere, and I think it played a huge role in just the the I'm trying to think the 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 aura the uh, the the home court advantage I guess for lack of better terms that it created, and I think the jerseys for Seattle honestly had something to do with it because now it's just synonymous with that that style of basketball. So yeah, give me Seattle SuperSonics for my number one overall. Uh, yeah, I uh, I totally understand that, and uh, for me personally though, I'm going. Going for the fandom, not being objective, being fairly subjective with this choice, but the in that same vein as the Purple Mountain jerseys, the 96-97 era Hawks jerseys that have the big-ass hawk, they're black, they do a red gradient, there's a hawk that's like over the torso. Um they uh they are I, I I don't know they are just everything I've I, I wish the Hawks wore them every single game. Like so you're yeah, game. so you're not talking about like the ones that like Spud Webb and, and Dominique mm, Wilkins wore. No 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 no. I'm talking like uh like I said it's it's black it's black in the first top in the first half up top and then it fades into a red after it crosses over the hawk which is like holding a basketball. You know, it, it's kind of got the, the, the font style from, like, old school. I'll, I'll show you. I'll send this to you on Twitter real quick. Uh, no, no, no. I got it. I got it right here. I'm looking at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, I like, just love those jerseys da, da, so much. Da, Like, Dikembe Mutombo, big guy who wore that. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, those are fresh. Those are good. 
I can I can I can get behind that. That's actually. a per, yeah, yeah. that's a completely personal decision. I think most people would be like Evan. That was not a great pick as your number one. But for me personally, all time favorite NBA jersey. I love them. No, that's good. I, I'm, it's just as not as a Hawk fan as what what I think NBA fans will get confused about is because when I think the Hawks retro, I think of just the very basic pa- called Pac Man red. Uh, jerseys that like don't like I said Spud Webb and Dominique Wilkins wore like in that dunk contest and stuff. That's where kind of my mind goes to. But I, I don't think that's an awful pick, nonetheless. Though I mean, one of my honorable mentions, quite frankly, were the were the Los Angeles Lakers Sunday whites, and that's only be, and that's so basic. But I think of the white on white because if Kobe was wearing that on a Sunday at Madison Square Garden, you knew that motherfucker was gonna drop sixty plus points. Bet your mortgage on it. So. Just uh, that 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 was kind of my other honorable mention, and that's solely because of uh, fandom. Oh, actually, um, early two thousand Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, that's, those are great too. That's a, that's a, my other or honorable mention. New my Orleans last Hornets. one. Yeah. Like oh that. yeah, good point. Good. They were the New Orleans Hornets at well, that time. Well, but they were kind of the almost Mardi Gras like vibey type yeah, uniforms. Yeah. Those were sure, fresh. I so like. I I used to be able to get behind those. But yeah, that is that is my list. Ed, was there any honorable mentions you did not get to in there? Uh, no, I think, uh, I, I think, I mean, you know, there's a bunch, like there's so many, I would say the NBA has always probably been the most stylish league. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't think you can go wrong with classic Laker yellow, you know? I mean, I truly yep. think that those are just always going to be gorgeous. I think Boston Celtics in green, you know, I mean, those are, those are the most standard, typical, boring uniforms, but they're just so classic. It's like Alabama and Penn State. Um, I'm trying to think if there were any else. I mean, I love the Vancouver Grizzly jerseys that the the the, the Memphis Grizzlies have brought back this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are always fresh, but I almost feel like that those that picking that jersey is almost like I feel like every concert or music festival you go to, you see like a bunch of dudes wearing that jersey. Like I feel like I, I don't know, I'm being a hipster, I guess. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I got to say on it. All right. Well, yeah, I'm good there, too. Uh, Folks, that kind of just about wraps up our time here. We thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to tune back in uh, early next week. We'll recap the the rest of these NFL games that just happened on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And, uh, you know, you'll see how I'm feeling. Hopefully really good when we end up talking on Monday or Tuesday, probably. So until then, though, to keep you up to date, you can go follow us on Twitter. What's our handle? Where can they go do that on the Twitter sphere? They can go to at down and out podcast on Twitter. Uh, that's where we post show links. We will, you know, occasionally tweet about other stuff. We'll, you know, occasionally make jokes about each other. We'll answer any tweets that you send our way. Um, and then you can also go to uh, uh, your your local Spotify, your local Apple Music, your local Stitcher. And uh, and go on there and give us like a five star review because that makes us look really good. It helps us out. You know, if someone you know happens to roll by the podcast or is thinking about listening, they can see that and go, oh, people like this. And uh, you know, hopefully, we can expand our audience. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So please go help us out there. Go show us some love. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, and then also, while you're showing us some love, be sure to go show JD Masters and Buddha some love. Man in the Mirror, our intro outro song that you're hearing or about to hear. Uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream your music, anywhere you stream our podcast, like 
Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. You can go find them as well. Folks, again, we can't wait to talk to you early next week, but it's been fun and it's been real. It's been down and out. And until next time, Arrivederci. Later. Where's this bastard? Cool like ice, big slam, pop like medicine. That isn't really yours, but you take it with your friends. Cool, calm, collected, but I love to act hectic. Sitting in the corner in the dark like Riddick. With the notepad out, thinking about lyrics. I ignored your story because I didn't want to hear it. Bitch, did you ever really catch a switch? Where I went from rock to pool to cop the vibe like a fish. Assist like white chocolate, handing out a dish. If the devil shows up, then my soul, he does wish. I might accept the offer cause I wanna grind like cars and give the trophies to my mama make them sweat like a sauna cause act like I can't then I'ma spit like a llama take your girlfriend out and give a Balenciaga so check me out feel me up and watch me bounce cause the new man in the mirror is looking like a mouse switch places change faces now Buddha runs a house trust hip hop more than bitches so I'ma take her as a spouse or at least a concubine if in front of my god feel divine I'ma grab it like a shield and I make it shine Cause when I'm polished, I'll abolish if you cross the line That's how I am feeling Keep growing like a giant, go through the ceiling Man in the mirror, doubled up, now you all the fuck We go again, but when we stop blazing Boom, boom, pow, pow, what you gonna do now? Especially when I bring the energy like it's a powwow Besides, find a man, paint your face, cause you a damn clown Look around, only one that isn't on my wagon now The name is Buddha, bitch Look around, only one that isn't on my wagon now.